Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Gozer, founder of Learn Media. Now, we are here to talk about uh, writing a business plan for a language <laughs> school uh, or a tutoring business. So um, both of us are approached by businesses all the time in the language space. Um, a lot of them actually new business, certainly in, in learning yes. space, and, and maybe the same with you, Herbert. And um, a lot of them do feel incredibly generic and same, same, even when they're starting out or they've been in business a long time. And it doesn't feel like they've changed much for a long time. A and so today we were going to talk about how to write a business plan for those that are starting out wanting to write one. And for mm. those that already have an existing business to have like a one pager that helps explain your business to yourself, to your team, and possibly to investors, stakeholders, and, and others that are kind of around your ecosystem. Absolutely. And I think a lot of, uh, especially new business owners are quite overwhelmed uh, and find uh, the task of writing a business plan quite daunting. They think you know, it has to be 15, 20, 30 pages long and, you know, uh, sentences and paragraphs about weak weaknesses, threats, and competitors. But really, you just need to get the main ideas on one piece of paper. Uh, and also for existing businesses, a great way to reassess uh, your business model. Agreed. And what? Um, so we actually have started business at different times. Um, I remember um, starting um, one of my first businesses back in 2011. And I found the the concept of lean startup and lean canvas very attractive. Mm. And we were going to talk about that today because also the reason that I remember it being so attractive is I went to to business school and law school and and at that uh, at university I remember writing business plans as like part of my project and it was always this huge you know multi page kind of um, business plan. And I remember even creating like, oh, I'm going to start this business. And, and as I say, I did these these big business plans. But you can get so busy building these business plans. You actually don't get any work done. And you don't actually test whether the idea that you have is working. And exactly. I thought that that's why this was so helpful. Because it removed all the excuses for should I start the business and really got on one piece of paper does yep. this business make sense? What's your take on this, Herbert? And what's your memory of your founding <laughs> moments? I agree. I also went to um, business school uh, at university. I had to do a lot of business plans. And for my first business, um, I also wrote a very lengthy business plan, uh, but it kind of fell short. Uh, and when I started the digital advertising agency, I had a very rough concept um, kind of knew who my target audience was, the problems, uh, the solution, and just got to work uh, reaching out to to business owners and to my target audience and getting feedback from them so that I could learn and also adjust uh, my business model um, based on on the data I was getting. So huge fan of the Lean um, Startup methodology, um, MVP methodology. So uh, yeah. Um, also, if you're interested in learning a little bit about our backstories, which we do have uh, uh, some failed startups and, and failed mm -hmm. ideas that we have gone through this process with, you can find that in some of our previous 
Get More Students podcasts. Um, but we're going to just start off by looking at the methodology. And we thought it would be fun to apply that to two different types of business. Mm. Um, two of the most common businesses that we kind of get um, proposed um, by. And so I'll bring those up now. Uh, and if you're watching the videos that we're going to be putting on YouTube, you'll be able to to see what we're talking about as we go. Uh, so let me just bring this up. So let's just provide again a bit of backstory because I want it to be obviously very clear that this is not our own campus that we're coming up <laughs> in, our own uh, business methodology. This is something that's been tried and tested um, for those that don't know, Lean Startup is something you can you know, Google in and, and learn a little bit more about. But that methodology um, is really about, uh, well, I can read it here, is a methodology for developing businesses and products. And it really shortens the development cycles and really focuses on learning as fast as possible and mm -hmm. getting to a, a an MVP, a, a minimum viable project, a product or business as soon as possible. And that's kind of, again, going back to your point there, Herbert, is particularly if you're starting a language business, particularly an online language school, you can kind of get really caught up with, you know, is this going to work? Is it not? Mm. There's a lot you can learn very, very, very fast. And one of the central aspects that I remember of the methodology is to test your biggest assumptions as early as possible. And one of the most yeah. important ones is to make sure that people are willing to pay for your service um, i know that a lot myself included have previously got you know and and if you're a big business listening to, to this this might be more about a product that you're wondering whether should we do this or should we not mm. you can learn very quickly by just putting it out there and seeing if you can get people to pay money for that and money is a big indicator of somebody's real pain point felt and also whether or not you're likely to have a, a viable business in the longer run yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And do you want to tell us more about the Lean Canvas itself? So yeah, uh, basically we uh, we want to use kind of the, this method of devising a, a one-page business plan, um, and uh, we do have a a, a formula, a a, a structure um, to to this, uh, and we're going to talk about this on on how to create a, a lean canvas um, for your um, business and identifying kind of the main areas um, what to think about. Excellent. So um, this is called the lean canvas. So if you're not familiar with it, you can always Google it afterwards and find more about it. Um, but yeah, highly recommend uh, using a template like this to get started. Mm. Now, we're going to start with two different examples. The first is going to be, uh, actually, Herbert, why don't you tell us about an idea you have in mind? Sure. We wanted to uh, chat about an, an in-person language school mm -hmm. and how this would uh, apply um, to a language business like this. And so we decided to take a real world example uh, and adjust, adjust it a little bit so that we're not giving um, too much information away. <laughs> Excellent. And afterwards, we're going to be talking about an online corporate language business. So stay tuned if you're kind of more interested in the, in the online side. But I think learning about this was really great and kind of going through this with you. Now, I'm just going to quickly touch over the aspects that you have on this one, one page of this lean canvas. You have the problem, and I'm going to probably uh, start off with the three main 
things you need to get right first, which is mm-hmm. the problem. Two would be customer segments. And three would be the unique value proposition. The other parts of this canvas is um, the solution you want to provide, the unfair advantage. And then below that, you kind of get more into the details of how are you going to make this work. So just those alone will tell you a lot about the business. Uh, also, channels is, a, is another particularly important area. Uh, but what are the existing alternatives? Understanding, for example, substitutes or competitors. What are the key metrics? Maybe the high-level concept of like how do you explain it simply what you do? Uh, who are the early adopters? And then at the bottom section of this one-page ca- um, canvas, really split in two is what are your costs and what are the revenues or, or ways you're going to make money? And if you can quickly and, and clearly explain this, mm. I think you're going to have either the business you have is going to work better uh, or the new business that you're going to be able to create is going to be a lot more likely to succeed. So, Herbert, let's talk about which of these boxes, you know, because this is a, a, a one page with various sort of segments. Where should we start? Sure. Should we start at uh, the top three problems uh, that yeah. our um, target audience um, is facing? Let's do it. <laughs> um, one so, thing I would, mm-hmm. I would also kind of mention is sometimes uh, when I've looked at how some people approach the canvas, they often start with the problem first. Uh, for a lot of products particularly, I think that's a very good way to start. But for those that are in language education, often they know, you know, this is the, this is what I'm kind of good at. Mm. Uh, I'm going to do some kind of teaching so that they partly know what the solution is. And so I often would maybe suggest starting off with the customer segment as possibly the other way of starting. Um, Because then you're kind of really focusing on who you're serving and then your your what are the problems they may they may face very true alex and we have touched on defining your niche so often <laughs> in our uh, podcasts and webinars and uh again you know it, it especially when it comes to language education you don't want to uh, cater to everyone uh you don't want to offer english courses to Anyone who's interested in English, because uh, yeah, the, the, there's just too much competition. You're, you're going to make your uh, your life uh, very difficult. So uh, yeah, let's start off with the niche. And for this example, uh, our niche is going to be um, digital nomads and uh, expats who are living uh, in Berlin, in Germany. Berlin is a, a large city, and it's very popular um, for tech companies, and and that's why there are quite a few digital nomads and, and adult expats uh, living living there. Now, again, just to kind of double double click on that, we've talked about knowing your niche. Sometimes people are like, ah, yeah, but that's too small. Like, what if I want to grow? Again, it's really important with understanding your target customers, not necessarily what you may be in five or 10 years, but what is the target mm. that you're going to start with? So I think we're really clear on that. What are the problems that they may face, Herbert? When it comes to language, of course, they 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 lack uh, real world German skills. Mm. So, in able to integrate into society, um, yeah. meet new uh, new friends, uh, you know, it would be great. 
for these expats and digital nomads to have at least a basic understanding of German. Um, also, you know, maybe some of uh, the online language courses or online apps or learning software don't really offer an immersive experience. And so they don't get to uh, learn and speak that real world German that they are, you know, wanting to use. Uh, and possibly also, uh, you know, a big headache for, for, uh, newcomers into a new city is kind of being alone and yeah. meeting new people and, and extending your network. So, um, yeah, that is also a problem that we could also, uh, fix with our offer. Fantastic. So, uh, would you go next for the, I imagine you have to go next, maybe either the solution or the unique value proposition, right? I guess you need to know the solution before you provide the UVP. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what did you come up with as three hmm. kind of key features that would, you'd have of this, uh, in-person niche language school? Absolutely. So, only offering in-person language courses. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, we want to focus on in-person uh, with native teachers mm -hmm. uh, from Berlin or that know Berlin inside and out. So you yeah. also get that cultural aspect. You get some tips. You get that insider knowledge mm -hmm. of this new city uh, and also offering social activities outside of the classroom to kind of encourage people to, to get together uh, and create a community. Um, which again is an excellent selling point, right? For our niche. And, and so, what's that unique value proposition then? Okay, I can get that in a dozen places. You know, in terms of like a language school can offer me language courses. I can do it a, a lot of ways. What's unique about the way that this school is going to operate? Sure. I mean, one way it's difficult, right? Because there 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 are a lot of similar. Mm -hmm. uh, offers and similar yeah. schools there. So one way, not necessarily always the best way, uh, is to compete on price. Yeah. And so, you know, we could offer a lower price and really go for that volume, especially if we have a large premises or a large school um, mm -hmm. and a lot of seats and classrooms to fill up. Uh, our location, you know, where is the school located within mm -hmm. the city? Um are we smack bang in the middle where all of the, uh, you know, the, the tech companies have their offices? That can be a huge advantage. Mm. Um, and also the flexibility of the courses. Uh, you know, a, lo a lot of these types of courses run for six, eight, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, and so you're really committed, uh, to, you know, turning up every week for mm -hmm. two, three months. Um, so we've decided to, offer only monthly courses. So a calendar month. Yeah. And then it's basically like a monthly subscription. You decide uh, if you want to cancel uh, for a month, skip a month um, or continue on for another two months. And, and it feels like there's um, maybe not unique, but there's sort of aspect there, which is like, it's probably the sweet spot of not being so flexible that you get a whole bunch of really uncommitted mm. people joining but it also probably gives you enough of a chance to build a relationship with your group. Um, yeah. I'm also going to challenge or maybe add two other, maybe either it's going to be a feature or an upsell opportunity, which is if you've got digital nomads, they're probably going to stay, but they're also going to go. Uh, exactly. Maybe you could have an online community that you mm -hmm. still offer online language classes for those that leave. Um, because then, you know, it kind of makes sense if you've got, 
a, a community that is naturally going to leave because they're digital nomads at one point or they're expats. I've lived in Germany myself for a, for a year and I, I didn't feel like I kind of was German from day dot. And I'm sure a lot of people will eventually go back to their own countries. What's It makes even more sense if you kind of share this kind of digital nomad as an interest that you might sure. be able to build an, an online community. So there could be some, A, could be a community, could, could make that quite a, a unique aspect. And then B, it provides also an interesting revenue stream of online language classes for those that eventually leave Berlin. Yeah. And so you can extend that uh, customer lifetime value. Great idea, yeah. Alex. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the what's, what comes next. We've talked about problem, customer segments, the solution, uh, the UVP, uh, an unfair advantage. Uh, let's talk about the, the next row of this canvas. Sure. Uh, I mean, of course, your competitors, you know, what do these digital nomads and uh, expats, uh, you know, what other options do they have? And of course, those are other uh, traditional language schools. They could also be uh, online uh, learning solutions, whether it be a school or an app or a a, Mm -hmm. a course. Um, So, yes. Makes sense. Uh, Then you've got key metrics. What are the kind of key metrics that you would say are important for a cut for a, for a business like this to measure and to kind of know if you know they're succeeding absolutely uh i mean customer lifetime value is yeah. is a big thing you know how many in in this case how many months are mm-hmm. uh students staying with us yeah and of course um you know if that's really low then you know that would indicate that we have to possibly work on Maybe the customer experience, the student experience, the the yeah. teachers, the, the um, customer service, mm-hmm. uh, and ex- the the higher the lifetime value is, the the more a customer is worth, and also uh, that gives you the advantage of being able to spend more to acquire a customer. Totally right. Um. Also, I imagine if this is digital nomads, and I might be wrong on this, you probably understand the segment even better than me, Herbert. But if that moves a lot, that means you probably need enough people at the top of the funnel, right? So Mm -hmm. your flow would need to be like, for example, if you had people that never left that city, that lifetime value could be their entire, you know, their entire lives theoretically. Sure. Whereas digital nomads, they're going to be moving around. So exactly. Would you think it's, I don't know if website visitors is the right measure, but there's some kind of like leads, like maybe qualified leads is going to be a very important part per week or per month, right? Because otherwise you're going to have a problem Mm. in a certain number Uh, of months from now. I would definitely say uh, new website visitors um, Mm -hmm. would be very important, again, because you want to keep that pipeline full. uh, Mm -hmm. And I guess for this type of business, you want to also look at your churn rate. You know, how... um, totally. Are the, you know when are these uh mm-hmm. digital nomads dropping off so to say uh and so yep. i mean that that ties in with a lifetime value and knowing how long uh, yeah. a person stays with you so that you can measure all right you know mm-hmm. the average person stays for three months mm. okay we need a new batch of uh students kind of coming in every three months in order to replace the ones that are going to leave so that's yeah. um that would be a very important metric uh, that's also where you know online community or or online classes that once they leave could be quite helpful because it could extend that lifetime value and reduce mm. the immediate churn. Sure. Um, 
we're going to skip this next part because I think, again, we'd probably need something, a bit more time to think of something jazzy, but this high-level mm. concept, like being able to explain that really quickly, unless you've got, I mean, do you, <laughs> you want to give it a go, Herbert? How would you quickly explain uh, High-level concept. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, a slogan or something really, really modern for, for this um, uh, on the fly. Um, but again, uh, I'm not going to come up with anything like yeah. on the fly, but it's about knowing the language that yeah. your niche speaks and kind of implement and using that type of wording or phrases or yeah. maybe jargon mm-hmm. in the way you present your offer on the website, in social media, et cetera. And you can just see how this all keeps on going back to who's your customer, who's mm. your niche, who's your niche, right? Because it hits your marketing, it hits your high-level concepts. All of those things are explainable by who you're serving. Um, and then this goes into probably the area that you know better than anyone, Herbert, <laughs> which is the channels. What are your paths to market? What are some examples you came up with? Yeah, well, I mean, again, for this for this niche, this is a very, they're digital natives, right? Mm-hmm. They're online all the time on their phones, um, mm-hmm. on YouTube. And so let's meet them where they are spending yeah. most of the time, uh, which would be, you know, Facebook, Instagram ads, uh, Google ads, YouTube yeah. ads, um, but also uh, looking at some maybe other, other types and other, uh, other forms of, of marketing and mm. something like partnerships with co-working oh. spaces or gyms or uh, certain cafes or restaurants mm-hmm. that these, you know, our target audience frequents a lot. I think it's really clever with partnerships, particularly with a niche in a mm. uh, in an area. Also because when you have a partnership with somebody you're on top of their mind, they're also then your competitor doesn't own that space right so if yes. you have a partnership with a co-working space that you know a lot of your clientele are going to be going that means that your competitor also isn't there it means you can kind of out compete in that particular watering hole yeah so sometimes you also yeah. got to think about it not just on how do i get customers but also how do i create a bit of a moat around yeah. my location i agree um uh, one of the other ideas and sort of underneath that customer segment is you've got target customers, but your early adopters. And I think that's a really clever and important thing to understand, particularly for new businesses. Absolutely. You know, what, what type, what are the patterns and like the similar behaviors that uh, our first customers um, have and, Mm -hmm. and to analyze, get feedback from them. How did you find us? What were you looking for? Um, uh, why did you say yes to us and yeah. said no to maybe some alternative uh, solutions? Um, so getting that data through feedback, student interviews mm-hmm. uh, is absolutely crucial. And then you can also uh, refine your messaging as well. Totally right. And then the bottom part of the canvas, we've kind of talked on the top part. There's the bottom third, which is looking at the cost on the left and the revenue streams on the right. So sure. how are we going to make money? Uh, Herbert, hopefully <laughs> through uh, students paying uh, paying their monthly courses, right. <laughs> and through um, obviously materials. Uh, maybe you have a a markup on there, a, mm-hmm. a small margin there. Uh, possibly also through upsells, whether that be some extra yeah. curricular activities um, or private lessons or you know, things like that. 
I think that's really clever, actually. You explained also these social act opportunities could also be easy upsells for improving the lifetime value, Super, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then the cost structure. What are the most likely costs with this kind of business? Rent, of course, especially if you have a physical language school, that's going to eat up quite a bit, um, which is why you know, in this case, we're looking for volume, um, which is why we're offering a bit of a lower price compared to our competitors. Um, teacher costs, of course, uh, and then marketing. Yeah, I was thinking marketing is, is one <laughs> of the, of course, the, uh, the, the, the other big one to remember. Yes. Um, I think that's also, again, what's the point in having a business plan? It's to be able to also check your main assumptions. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the biggest assumptions in this canvas now? What would you, let's say that this was a startup rather than something that already exists. Mm -hmm. How would you, what, what are the things you would want to know for sure? Mm. I would want to know if this niche, digital mm -hmm. nomads and expats are, would rather uh come in person mm -hmm. if they have the time to come in person rather than any of the online uh, mm -hmm. solutions and also if our solution with the social activities if that is a draw you know if yeah. that's going to convince them um to sign up because again a lot of other there are so many competitors offering basically the same thing yeah. so is that one maybe uvp um yeah. going to uh get them over the line great i thought that was a great experience uh to go through with you um herbert but also on my side like it's just i think good i'm already thinking like, oh i could use that for my business that's an online business and i think there's a lot mm. lot to learn there now we're going to go into what would happen with an online language business uh, to see if A, gives ourselves a bit of a chance to kind of test mm -hmm. out this canvas, but also sure. to give you more ideas and um, a way of being able to explore this concept. So Lean Canvas again. This time we're going to be going um, for a an online corporate language business. Uh, we are going to be talking about, you know, let's start off with the top uh, section of the Lean Canvas. Remembering from left to right, it goes problem, solution, unique value proposition, unfair advantage, and customer segments. However, we always, well, I usually start with customer segments because when I know who I'm talking about, then I know what their problems mm. are likely to be, particularly when it comes to language education. Yep. So for me, with this particular uh, customer group, I'm going to be going after uh, remote software companies, and I'm going to be going after sort of the the medium-sized international companies. I'm not, for example, and that kind of gives me the ability to choose. That means I'm not going for those that are highly localized manufacturing companies, for example. I don't need to look at them for my LinkedIn or my marketing channels. I know mm -hmm. I'm going after these software companies. And likewise, I'm not going after the very, very large because in this particular instance, maybe I'm like, mm, I don't know if I have the... Um, the manpower and the kind of tender of process, which is often required for these very, very large companies. So I'm going to go for the, the easier to kind of get a decision um, yep. from them. So that's, that's cycle. That's going to be the customer segment that we're going to go for in this example. So um, we were bouncing ideas. Uh, Herbert, you probably know what are the standard reasons for companies to invest in their, 
and their people when it comes to language training? Uh, definitely upskilling uh, mm-hmm. employees so that they are fit for, um, yeah. you know, the, the international business. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, that's a huge thing. Maybe uh, the company is investing in um, different markets or they're expanding. Yeah. And so, you know, their um, employees need um, those language skills, yeah. but also just employee development and, you know, mm-hmm. ca- trying to decrease employee churn. Yeah. Um, professional development is, is, is huge. Uh, I think those are probably the the, the two main uh, reasons that I've seen for for companies. Great. Now we're going to be talking about software companies, which is the niche we decide in this example. Mm-hmm. Um, with software companies as well, you if you're doing a remote business, you can have people from anywhere, and I think mm-hmm. this could give the 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 rise for somebody that's excellent skill wise, but maybe lacks the English skills for their like cohesion and integration in mm-hmm. the company so for example a remote software company might have developers from a country that doesn't you know and they don't have very strong uh english skills but we want the 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 language to be english you know this is a, a really big pain point because i'm possibly paying less for that particular person they're living in a low-cost country but mm-hmm. i want to invest so that they're really delivering and really happy about staying with the company so it could be also about that um, That problem is how do I maybe uh, access a new talent pool, um, yeah. That, but that talent pool doesn't speak the English that I generally would expect to require for that kind of team cohesion. So that's just one example of like how they might be thinking. But I think another trick here is to think not just, particularly with companies, you have to think about who is the decision maker. Hmm. Uh, and if you're talking about this remote software company, if they're small companies, it's probably going to be the CEO. They may not have an HR team. And I guess the higher up you go, it's more like, more and more likely there might be a chief people officer or some kind of HR. But again, you can just see how different it is when you know who the niche is, who you go after. Yeah. Very true. So we've got customer segments. Second thing, we've understood their problems. We're going to go next on to the solution. So uh, in this particular case, we're not going to go too crazy about like what different types of solutions. So let's just say for now, we're going to offer one-on-one online classes for those that really need the extra help. We're going to go small group classes for those that have you know companies where they actually have lots of people, maybe like a whole team, that that team is all of the same kind of language level and they kind of want to improve on that. Um, and we're going to talk about the maybe the other features that a company might need, which is better reporting uh, and a, the ability to really show return on investment could be quite important. And so we're going to use those as the examples. Um, what are some other ways that we could make the solution now have a unique value proposition or something that's quite, you know, uh, we can also and talk about unfair advantage, Herbert. Mm. I mean, you know, if we're targeting remote software companies, then definitely a bit of technology yeah. <laughs> added, added into the mix, whether that yeah. be an online platform, possibly yeah. a standalone app um, that uh, students could have something, I, th- you know, uh, that aligns with your target audience's kind of yeah. needs. I mean, you could also definitely talk about content, right? Because of I always think... Yeah. And I'm hearing a lot more about, you know, when I go to conferences as well as people, 
if you can combine learning a skill and learning a language at the same time, it's like a double win. And so yeah. it might be when your content is, you know, highly relevant to upskilling other skills, not just language at the same time. I think it can really um, be both unique and particularly if you're focusing on the niche, which is in this case, software companies, um, you could do that better than say anyone that's offering more generic services, say to manufacturing, to airlines, to to everything else. It kind of gives you this whole jargon segment that you could even talk to better than anybody else. And mm. maybe also it's, you know, uh, the unfair advantage is maybe it's very founder centric and that founder is exceptionally dynamic and really resonates uh, with that customer segment. In this case, you know, maybe they really understand the remote team. Maybe they are a remote team themselves and so can speak to that better than any of their competitors. Yeah. The fact that it's more niche means that bigger companies are less likely to kind of go into it because there's not enough volume for a very large company, yeah. but there's plenty of volume for you. So there's a lot in that kind of unique value proposition and the unfair advantage that you can kind of really dig into when you know your niche. Great. So and let's so, talk on the bottom mm-hmm. section then, shall we, Herbert? Yeah. What would you say are the channels for me um, in this particular remote software companies? How <laughs> could I go after these companies? Well, taking into consideration your uh, target audience, which could be uh, CEOs and founders mm-hmm. at um, software companies, possibly even the HR mm-hmm. um, uh, contact people. LinkedIn yeah. is probably your best channel, um, totally. to be honest with you. Uh, LinkedIn messaging, yeah. uh, maybe even LinkedIn ads, but also yeah. probably cold email, Yeah, you know, which which gets a, not that much love these days, yeah. but uh cold email can be extremely effective especially if you're offering something so targeted and so niched i think also uh conferences could yes, be one area like true. there are the good thing is you could go to a software conference and know that everyone there yeah could be a lead whereas very i true. think sometimes you can go to conferences and go oh where are they going to go but like a big watering hole for software companies is going to be these big you know like um tech uh, um, tech conferences, uh, you know that probably a lot of them will be decision makers or ways that you can get into companies. So I think there's quite a lot there um, yeah. in terms of conferences. But again, this is just putting it on one page. Hey, how would I go about this business? Yeah. Um, let's look about you know existing alternatives. There are other online language schools. There are other corporate language businesses that theoretically have a whole lot more they can offer, but typically they can't offer that niche mm. what that niche wants. And that's, again, where I think there's a real win. Key metrics in this case, I think, you know, is definitely going to be the number of deals coming in, like the deal flow is going to be very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the size of deal is going to be important, like the average size, size of that deal. And how uh, much lifetime value, of course. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but probably, you know, for example, the previous one, you know, you needed like a high volume of customers, whereas you don't need a high volume of customers. You need the, the qualified leads is going to be an exceptionally exactly. important concept. And probably yeah. you're going to have to have some kind of um, conversation, I think, with these. Oh, absolutely. And, and that'll absolutely. really, det- like, no one's just going to buy off the website. No. So I think you're going to need a certain number of conversations. So again, you can start to see, hey, what are the what are the levers that I need to make sure mm-hmm. to make sure that we've got a successful business? 
um, you know, the high level concept might just simply be, you know, um, you know, the, the, the only language school made for remote software companies. Like, even though that sounds a, a bit of a, a mouthful, who else is kind of, do we know that owns that particular space? And so there might be a, a smarter, uh, better way of explaining that in the future. But yeah, a high level concept, that's kind of the, what we're going after. And then maybe we explain, uh, the way that we do it and, and, and try and, um, talk, you know, uh, improve that, uh, over time. Our early adopters, let's call them, I think they're more likely to be sort of, uh, they're going to have enough people for them to be really thinking about uh, investing in their team. So maybe they're like more than 10 employees. Again, the good thing about LinkedIn is you can kind of identify mm. them quite quickly. Uh, also, probably if you go to conferences, you know, uh, most of the time they're kind of expensive. So that kind of also will be a good way of funneling out those yep. like software companies that don't have many people they're less likely to go with their team so sure. anyway there's, there's some kind of ways that you could find towels and then your cost structure probably going to be uh sales people could be a, a high cost um yep. you're not going to have uh rent or anything so it's probably more an actual people you know your teachers yep. and teachers uh and 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 marketing maybe but marketing you know, it may not actually be the cost there. I think it could be the convincing aspect and the sales kind of relationships that are more expensive there. I agree. For for something like this, I think the founder uh, would need to do a lot of uh, content marketing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of, uh, especially a lot of video content. Yeah. Um, a lot of posting on LinkedIn um, and, and outreach as well. So yeah. uh, I think that that would be your marketing channel channel, which is Content, great because I it doesn't totally cost agree. anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, you will need those dollars for uh, for sales reps and also for teachers because this yeah. is not going to be your average teacher. You'd have to get quite skilled um, teachers, yeah. uh, and so that's going to be a, a a large cost for you. Yeah, and maybe part of that UVP is that actually. You know, we have, you know, teachers that are maybe ex, you know, they've, they've also been in software companies themselves and they understand the space. And Mm -hmm. again, you can really kind of create some like really clear differences between like, this is the generic corporate training and Mm -hmm. this is what you get with us. Uh, And maybe there's a lot of humor involved again. Like there's just a lot you can kind of explore and it, it gives me a lot of faith that there's still lots of room to grow in the online language teaching space. I actually think this is a great uh, business idea. Because I, <laughs> I, like, I, I have not heard of a uh, a language business that focuses on, on remote remote software companies and and leveraging uh, employees from those kind of uh, uh, up and coming uh, yeah. uh, markets that are cheaper, you know, software yeah. engineers uh, and upskilling them with, uh, you know, language. Um, yeah. Very interesting. Uh... <laughs> maybe also it shows a partnership opportunity, right? So maybe the, yeah. your partners are actually the HR people in, you know, particularly, let's say remote co- companies, maybe the CEO is like, oh, you know, we're going to try not going to be hiring in, in London. We're going to be hiring in lower cost countries. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who, how do they get there? Those, those, um, those employees. 
if they come through HR recruiters, well, then those HR recruiters can also go, hey, I've got somebody great. Their English isn't quite right, but mm-hmm. what if I bundle it with this? This is still going to cost yeah. you a lot less. You're going to get the person exactly. Want. The person's mm-hmm. then going to get the professional development that they want. You know, there's a there's a great win there. So, hey, Herbert, maybe this is the that. idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we might have to stop the recording. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Stop idea. that <laughs> immediately. Um, and if you are an independent language teacher, just to clarify, this can be exactly the same ideas that you use. Um, so there's, it, it works for one person business and it works for a hundred person business. And I think that's the beauty of this canvas. It has a lot of flexibility. And one thing that you and I were discussing, Herbert, was that even if you've got an existing business, even if it's successful, using yeah. this to quickly as a bit of a sanity check is so yeah. useful um, because often we get so, even the way that we report on an annual basis becomes so formulaic mm. that you kind of lose sight of how this all fits together. You kind of get caught up with the fact that it's a 20-page reporting document and everything's in its own little silo yeah, whereas a true. one pager like this just brings it all together and helps really understand what are the things that need to be true in this business to to make it successful fantastic love it Herbert, um, i think we should some ideas already <laughs> <laughs> Herbert, we're gonna let's leave it leave it there today so we've really talked today about how do you write a business plan for a language school and if you're a language tutor as well, this could be just as useful. We've talked about the Lean Canvas as a methodology, but particularly looked at the Canvas, the Lean Canvas, as a way of structuring your business and understanding how it works. We've talked about um, two particular examples. We've talked about an in-person school and we've talked about an online uh, language school. We've talked about the importance of really understanding your customers, the problem, solution, and particularly also the unique value proposition and an unfair advantage. We've talked about how this canvas can be used for you and hopefully giving you some inspiration to put towards your own business. So Herbert, we've talked a lot about channels and people might be going, hey, you know, paid advertising is actually the channel I want to go after. How can people learn more about what you do to help language schools and their paid advertising? Of course, they can check us out on our website. Uh, at learnmedia.com. That's L-U-R-N media. And if you are needing a way of delivering your online language teaching, you can go to LearnCube at www.learncube.com and you can learn about our virtual classroom, our APIs, or our online language school software. In the meantime, have a good one. Uh, and if you want to listen to more Get More Students uh, episodes, you can find that on your favorite podcast platform. And until we see you next time, take care.